Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor David Eldridge. Mentioned earlier uh, this morning, it's going to be a little bit of a different service. We're going to focus on Thanksgiving. We just finished Mark in the last four or five weeks. We looked at Jesus's betrayal, his uh, arrest, trial, death, and then his resurrection. And so thinking about Thanksgiving, which is obviously coming up on Thursday, we want to use that framework in terms of what we're thankful for. You got tons of things to be thankful for and thank God for all of those. What we're going to focus on specifically is we want to focus on um, the cross and what we have to be thankful for because of what Jesus has done for us. Thanksgiving is a holiday. It, it can tend to be overlooked. It kind of gets squished in between Halloween and Christmas for some. Uh, it's kind of a humble holiday. There's not a whole lot of, there's not a lot of commercialization around it. And for some of you, that's what makes it your favorite holiday. But you know, again, it's, it's easy kind of in the world that we live in to skip past it pretty quickly and to move on to Christmas. Uh, just maybe something that would be helpful for you, for those of you who are hosting and having people over, survey the, they, uh, a company. They, they looked at 13 things that typically go on a Thanksgiving menu, and they surveyed people to say, do you actually like this food? <laughs> Guess what the number one least liked Thanksgiving food? Cranberry sauce for the love. Craisins, good. Cranberry sauce. Number two, y'all guessed it was turkey. Why do we keep doing that to ourselves? If nobody, 30%, no, it's 29%. 29% of the people don't even like turkey. Why are we eating it? Because why? Because it, that's not a good reason. I don't think. My favorite, one time we went to the beach for Thanksgiving and we had fried chicken and barefoot barbecue and it was the best. <laughs> Better than turkey. Third on the list and I'm going to quit. Third least liked. Green bean casserole. <laughs> My sister loves it. She's it. Anybody eat coleslaw for Thanksgiving? That's on the list. I've never even heard of that. That's one of the 13. Yeah, I don't get it. Ham, I don't like that either. Sweet potatoes. Stuffing. Nasty. Pumpkin pie. I'm telling you, there's good things about Thanksgiving. The food's not one of them. All right. Psalm 107. Here's what I want you, we're going to look at just this intro first. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and west and north and south. So this psalm over time became used in a setting kind of like this. It was a corporate Thanksgiving psalm. So when people brought offerings, thank offerings to the temple, this psalm would be kind of read, kind of a responsive reading. Originally, it focused on the exile. So there's two great deliverances in the history of Israel. One in the book of Exodus, 
where God delivers the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. That's Moses crossing the Red Sea, the plagues, all of that. And the second one, which is easy for us to forget, overlook, it's, it's the deliverance from exile, Babylonian exile. It happened uh, in, for, for several years, more than that, but we'll just call it several years. God had been calling to his people to repent. They were persistently and consistently rebelling against him. And then in 586 BC, and he sends the Babylonians, a wicked nation, he sends them to punish his people. And in 586, they break through the walls of Jerusalem, they tear down the temple, they burn every building in the city, and they lead into captivity the vast majority of the people. And those people are resettled as exiles in Babylon. And, and, and what they're thinking is, we're done. Our temple is destroyed. Our city has been ransacked. We're no longer the people of God. We're scattered among this pagan people. And then 70 years later, no signs and wonders, but it's just as miraculous. God stirs the heart of a new king named Cyrus, and he allows the Jews to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild their city. Unprecedented. Never happened before. An unprecedented move. Again, it's, you don't have the signs and wonders that you have in Exodus but it's just as miraculous. It's a supernatural deliverance of God's people where he gathers the exile. So that's, that's what Psalm 107 is talking about. You gathered us from the ends of the earth. We are the redeemed. We're the ones that you've rescued. We're the ones that you took out of a dangerous situation. That's what it means to be redeemed, to be saved. Again, to be rescued from a dangerous situation situation. God, you are good and your love endures forever. And the rest of the psalm unpacks what that means. And it's the redeemed who are speaking back to God. So there's, there's four pictures that we're going to look at. There's four images that describe this one group of people. So we have the redeemed, these ones who've been brought back from exile. And over time, that came to be anybody who's in relationship with God. That's how we're going to see it. Anyone who's been saved, we've been redeemed by Jesus. And there's four different images that, that help paint the picture of what it means to be redeemed. And, and each one of these images, they, they, have, they follow the same pattern. There's a description of adversity. Here's life before redemption. Then in the midst of, of, of adversity, people cry out to God in their trouble, in this state of anguish. And then God rescues them or redeems them from their distress. And then they're called to thank the Lord. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at these four images to help, again, for, for us, as we're going through them, I want you thinking, which one of these resonate with me? It may be one, two, it may be all four. Which one of these, when I'm thinking about when God, what God saved me from, where was I? And for some of you, it's been a really long time and we can forget, but we want to try to intentionally remember, remember in the in the Bible, the word remember is not just here. It's not just recalling facts. It's here. We recall facts that then affect how we live right now. And so out of this remembrance, we're going to go back into worship as an expression of gratitude and thanksgiving. So first picture, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their, from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty 
and fills the hungry with good things. So this first group, we'll call them the lost. They're people who are wandering in the wilderness. When we think wilderness, we, we think maybe adventure or we think retreat. We think almost an escape from kind of the hustle and bustle of living in town. Not the case for these guys. Very dangerous place. Thieves, wild animals, no secure way to get food or water. You did not want to be in the wilderness. You wanted to be in a city that had a wall around you with other people for protection. So we have people who are these, these at this point, unredeemed. They're in a dangerous spot. They're in the wilderness. They don't know the way to a city. This is a foreign land. They've been taken from their home, Jerusalem. They've been placed in this country. They don't know it. It's like if we just dropped you in a country you'd never been in before, in the middle of the woods. And they, they don't know how to get to, to safety. They cry out to God in their trouble. He delivers them from their distress. What does he do? He puts them in a city. He leads them to a city, settles them in safety. He satisfies their hunger and thirst with good things. For us, you can already see the connections. For many of us, before we met Jesus, that was us. We were wandering around. One of the, the, we, we were lost. We were moving from relationship to relationship, from experience to experience, from circumstance to circumstance, trying to satisfy the deep cravings of our heart. And we were constantly dissatisfied. Something may, it, it may fill the void temporarily, but over time, it, it just left us wanting. And then Jesus, as our good shepherd, he comes and he finds us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us by still waters. He restores our soul. He guides us in paths of righteousness, the right paths for his namesake. He settles us in his family and he fills, he meets those desires with good things. That may be your story. Second group. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So God subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. God brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. These are the enslaved because of their rebellion. That's why these people were in exile. God was punishing them for their, their sinfulness, their persistent and inconsistent rebellion against him. And now they're, they're in these dark prisons. That's the, the picture that's painted. They cry out to God in their trouble. He delivers them from their distress. How? He brings them out of darkness and he breaks the chains that bind them. This is probably the, the most classic picture of what it means to be saved. We're enslaved by our sins. One of the greatest PR moves of the devil is to convince us that sin equals freedom and righteousness equals restriction. It's just not true. Initially, we get, when we're engaging in sinful behaviors, it feels like I'm getting to do what I want. I'm in charge. Nobody's telling me what to do. Talk to an addict. That's the easiest one to paint, isn't it? Someone who's addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to pornography, to food, to shopping, whatever it is. You get to a point where that behavior is the boss of you. You do the very thing you don't want to do. You know it's destructive to yourself. 
You know it's destructive to the people that you love, but you just can't quit. Jesus says those who sin are slaves to sin. It doesn't start out that way, but that's where it always ends up. And it's not just addictive behaviors. It's greed. It's selfishness. It's covetousness. It's sinful attitudes as well. We become slaves to those things. And that's where many of us were when Jesus came and rescued us. He was the light who led us out of the darkness. He was the deliverer who broke the chains of whatever that sin was. And he set us free. That may be your story this morning. Third group. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and they suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. So this, this, this group, they're, they're the afflicted, the they're called fools. That's not, that's not intellectually deficient. That's not talking about someone who's stupid. It's a moral deficiency. It's someone who is rejecting the wisdom of God. Wisdom and, and folly. It's, it's rejecting wisdom and embracing folly, which is really just saying, I'm going to live my life my way. God has a way, but I'm not going to follow it. God has a path. I'm going to make my own. And then these folks, that they experience the consequences of living life their own way as their own boss. There's affliction that comes. That's anxiety. That's depression. That's distress. That's what that word means. All of that is the result of, living, uh, of not embracing or of actively rejecting God's wisdom, the way God says to live life. And in the midst of that, they cry out for mercy in the midst of their trouble, and God delivers them from their distress. He heals their affliction. He rescues them from the grave. This may be where you were when Jesus rescued you, when he redeemed you. In your pride, in your arrogance, you may have said, I know what's best. I've got a plan for my life, and I'm going to execute that plan. Now, as you began to walk that road, you realize really quickly, this is not great. And you got beat up and beat down and run over. Maybe you grew anxious. Maybe there was fear. Maybe there was depression. I don't know. But as a result of, of embracing your own way, that's foolishness. It's folly. But as a, many of us do that. As, as a result of that, we experience affliction. There are consequences. And you cried out to Jesus and he rescued you. He's the healer and he bound up your broken heart. He's the way and he showed you the way, the path that God would have you live. That may be your story this morning. Last group, some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke, that's God, for God spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. 
Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt God in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. This last group, it's the helpless. It's guys who are, they're trying to make a living and they made their living on the sea as merchants, as traders. And they're on the sea and there's this massive storm that comes up and they realize really quickly, I, we, we can't handle that. It's too much for us. We're too small. That storm caused them to recognize their need for God and they call out to him and he rescues them. How? By calming the storm and delivering them to a safe haven, to the port where they were intending to go. For some of you, that's your story. You were living your life and then a storm came. It's a diagnosis that you weren't ready for. Maybe a divorce, either your own or your parents. Maybe a disappointment. Something that you were dreading that did happen or something that you were strongly hoping for that didn't happen. That storm comes into your life and you realize really quickly, I don't have the resources to navigate that. I'm going to drown if somebody doesn't rescue me. And you cried out to Jesus. And he came as your prince of peace. And he calmed your heart. And he stilled the storm. That may be your story. Two groups of people here this morning. Most of you, you're in that category of the redeemed. You've made a decision to follow Jesus. And he's rescued you from whatever that situation was. And we're going to give you a chance to tell your story, which is what verse 2 says. Let the redeemed tell their story. You're not going to have to stand up and say anything individually. It'd be great. We we used to do that. We, We just can't anymore. There's too many too many of us, but we'll do that corporately. But there may be some here who are not yet redeemed. And maybe some of those scenes, maybe that resonates with you. Maybe you're facing a storm and you're realizing, I don't have the resources to navigate it. Maybe you're feeling anxious and depressed and you recognize it's, it's because I'm running after my own, I'm, I'm living life my way. I'm ignoring the wisdom of God. Maybe you're recognizing that you're enslaved to bitterness or to resentment or to some substance or behavior. And you're tired of it and you want to be set free, but you don't know how to get there. Maybe your heart is longing for something and you've tried all kinds of things and nothing satisfies you for long. If you cry out to the Lord this morning, He'll rescue you. That's all you have to do. Cry out for mercy. God, I need your help. You come quickly and he'll deliver you from your trouble and from your distress. If that's you, we want to pray for you. I'll just, you can slip your hand up if that's anybody in the room and you're thinking that, that I don't have a testimony yet. I'm in the not redeemed group, but I'm ready to be redeemed. I'm ready to be rescued. I'm ready to be delivered from this trouble that I'm in. And you can raise your hand and I'll say a prayer for you and then we'll have a way for you to follow up. Is that anybody in here? Okay. Next, that's that's the rest of us who are part of that redeemed. I'm gonna give you a chance to tell your story. So there's there's the list behind me. And you pick which one or two or three, it could be all of them. If you're like, I was, that was, I was me, I was a mess. I was all of it. You just, whatever resonates the most with you or whichever ones resonate, again, you can pick. What we're going to do is we're going to pray some, or maybe it's declare um, some, some um, statements of thanksgiving, and we're going to do that together. 
So if you say, hey, I'm in that lost, I was in that lost wandering group. That was me when Jesus found me. Then in a, in a second, I'm going to ask you to stand up and there'll be a, 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 a prayer, I guess we'll call it, on the screen and we'll read that together. And then you'll sit down and then if you say, I'm in that ensla- I was in that enslaved group, then you can stand up and we'll say that and then we'll sit down. And then you may say, I'm in that afflicted group or I'm in that helpless group. And so with each, each one of those groups, it's a, it's a short prayer. It's three, three sentences or so. And then we'll go back into worship and we'll close with communion. So let me give you 15 seconds to think. Okay. First prayer. So if this is you, if you're in that wandering lost, if you're like, that was me, then I want you to stand up. Perfect. And then we're going to read this together as our, this is our story. Father, I thank you. Y'all read it out loud with me. Start over. That was my unclear instructions. So start over. We'll read it out loud together. Ready? Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for settling me in your family, for satisfying my thirst and hunger with good things, for being my good shepherd. Amen. Next group, those who are in dark prisons. So if this was you, stand up, please. And we'll read this together. Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for bringing me out of the darkness, for breaking the chains that bound me, for being my light. The afflicted, if this was you, Ready? Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for healing my afflictions, for rescuing me from the grave, for being my way, truth, and life. The helpless. Ready? Father, I thank you because you are good and your love towards me endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from my trouble and distress. Thank you for calming the storms of my life, for guiding me to safe havens, for being my prince of peace. Everybody, y'all can stand. Verse 22 of Psalm 107 says, let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to worship as an expression of gratitude for what Jesus has saved us from. Verse 32 says, let them exalt him in the assembly of the people, which is what this is. So as Bo and the team lead us back into worship, uh, worship with gratitude, with thanksgiving 
for what Jesus has saved you from, the trouble and the distress that he has delivered you from, the trouble that he's gotten you out of, removed you from. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 